podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. The boys are back, and it is Blitz Month time again. Uh, I'm not 100% sure the release date on this because, again, we learned over the course of this show to never straight up say when something's being released when you're recording it in advance. You never know what's going to happen, but I have one half of my favorite K-State podcast on with me. It is the man, the myth, the legend, One again, one of my two podcasting sons. He is studying to be a lawyer. He's learning life outside of Manhattan, so I, I feel a little bad for him. But he is, I think, maybe one of the smarter guys out here in the podcast game. His name is Connor Baltazor. Again, he's an Aggieville alley cat. I'm sure I'll be talking to your buddy Ace. Actually, as long as he follows through, I'm talking to him later tonight as we're recording this. I don't know the order of when things are going to be released. But, Connor, how are things going? Uh, Do you feel a little weird that, you know, it's July 31st when we're recording this. You will not be going to Manhattan uh, here in a couple weeks. How weird is it to have your first year outside of Manhattan? Uh, it feels very weird. I already miss Manhattan uh, as things stand because I am all moved out and everything. I, I already miss Manhattan, so I'll be visiting plenty in the fall just to, to fill the void. But it, it's definitely going to take some getting used to. But hopefully in the uh, short to long term future, I'll be back uh, living there, hopefully. But we'll see where life takes me. So are, are you going to sprinkle in any Ichabod content into the Aggieville Alley Cats this fall? I am not planning on it, but, uh, you know, you never know. Maybe something crazy will happen. Maybe some K-State guy transferred to Washburn. That'd be like a fun Easter egg, but that seems unlikely. So, Yes, we'll, we'll shout out to Craig Schurg in the Washburn Ichabod team. Again, I, I grew up on the col- same cul-de-sac after they moved on and they took that job. So I'm a big fan of the Schurg family. I'm a big fan of the Washburn Ichabods. Had a lot of friends and family friends play for their team. So they are my official D2 school that I cheer for in almost every sport. So here we are. We're kind of ramping up to it. Um, We had this conversation on the live show, but I want to ask this to you again. We're doing this early enough where it still kind of feels like, okay, football season's still kind of arm's length away. It's still a little bit a ways. What are your favorite things to do in July and then August as you ramp up for football season? Um, something that I do a lot is I just go back and watch old K-State games. Uh, last year, I remember I went back and watched 98 Nebraska because I wasn't alive for that game. So I, oh my uh, I just wanted like, first yeah. off, like it's wild. You were not even alive for the 98 Nebraska game. Like that's the first game I have like vivid memories of going to. So again, in, in this world where I'm talking to like journalists and folks who are, like, you know, Derek Young is around my age. Flando's younger, but not that much younger. But then all the journalists and some of the coaches I talk to, they're all older. 
So it was weird to talk to like you. And again, like I'll, I'll talk to Ace, who I think is a year younger than you. It's weird to talk to folks significantly younger than me uh, who are also doing the podcasting stuff. So the fact that you weren't even alive for that, I, I've never felt older in my life. That's a lie. I have felt older, but it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah. I apologize to bring that reality to uh, to your uh, self-consciousness right now but i uh so what was I it like that. watching that game like you you weren't alive for it, it you've heard stories of it what, what was it like watching it it was interesting because the situation was a lot more precarious i felt like for the game and i expected because gosh we lost like four fumbles in that game it didn't feel like the bill snyder teams that i grew up with like it was uh i mean there was familiarity but it felt a lot more athletic than a lot of the teams that I grew up with, just athletes absolutely everywhere. And it was interesting because I think the fan support was a little different as well, because I think it was, it's kind of like that. I, I hate to compare us to them, but it, it's like kind of how Iowa state is right now where they're kind of having their first real success. And there's like more fervor around the fan base and like, it's more raw and like everybody's really into it. I'm not saying the K-State fans aren't right now, but it was a little bit just different of fervent support back then because, you know, this was like the first time that K-State really was pressing Nebraska and what, I don't forget how long the win streak was, but it was crazy long, 30 or 40 years or something like that in Manhattan for Nebraska. So, but I, I really enjoyed watching it. Another game that I also really like is uh, 2010 UCLA when Daniel Thomas had like 200 rushing yards or something like that. Uh, I, I just have good memories of going to that game, like just as a fun, like first game of the season. Yeah. So fun fact about me, that was my first game in the student section. And that again, it was a wild one. Daniel Thomas with that long run at the end of the game to kind of ice it out. Like, yep. and again, it, it was a sellout crowd. It was, I think, and I'm, I'm going to go back and look, I, I think so that they got a sellout for that uh, very first game, the, the family reunion for UMass, but then they didn't get another home sellout rest of the 2009 season. So that very first game, and again, it was like over capacity, it was uh, 51,059. So just a massive crowd. And that that is like a low key, like super fun game, especially for me as a freshman and, I, I, we we threw a uh, dorm party actually, and we got busted for having booze in the dorm uh, the night before. So there's there's a lot of fun kind of niche memories for me and my friends from that game. So uh, we'll we'll get into talking a little bit more um, modern day. You know, it's Blitz Month. We're previewing the 2022 football season. But b- before we do, this week of Blitz Month is sponsored by Adopt Don't Shop. Everyone knows I have my great co-host, Chauncey Bosco, the Wonder Pup, and I adopted him just about a year ago. Uh, well, actually, it's like 13 months ago at this point, and it was one of the great shelters here in the Kansas City area. So I would urge everyone who is in the market for their next furry best friend to go and look into one of your local adoption shelters if you need any recommendations in the topeka or kansas city area please reach out to me remember adopt don't shop all right let's get into it because a lot of the conversations this off season on our live shows amongst my friends message boards you name it have surrounded around the returning superstars and adrian martinez but there's a lot of new faces outside of just martinez who's a newcomer or two that you're really looking forward to seeing and starting to break down 
their game once we start seeing them play in the non-conference? I have two answers for this. The first one is for specifically this season, and the other one is long-term that I'm interested in seeing. This year, I'm very interested in Kobe Savage because I think he's going to be a bigger contributor than I expected him to be, at least as quickly as he's probably going to be. I'm really interested to see his game. I mean, we keep hearing about how great he's been. His name comes up a lot uh, with other players and coaches talking about who's been standing out. So I'm really interested to see what he can bring to the safety room. Uh, Long-term, Toby O uh, is the guy that I really want to see because I think he can be special. Uh, I mean, he's been mentioned as being one of the fastest players on the team, and we already did know that he was really fast coming in. And I think that he's someone that, his athletic ceiling could see him go early in the NFL draft. Um, so I, I think that he could be a game changer for the linebacker room in the long term. Yeah, it, it will be interesting with Toby O. So shout out to the show we had with uh, Taylor Bratt. Mentioned that he's already in that 22 mile per hour club, which is their little threshold, uh, you know, because they're, they're always wearing those trackers whenever they're doing their workouts. And uh, he was one of, I think there's a handful of freshmen who actually hit that club already, but uh, for that size, yeah. it really is a game changer. Uh, to that point, I'll, I'll be interested if he burns his red shirt. Now, I don't know how quickly he will pick up the entrance or, you know, how to play linebacker at a power five level. He wasn't here in the spring. Uh, he just showed up for summer ball. Uh, but I would, I, I would imagine that if we wanted to, I, I wouldn't burn it just for special teams, but I imagine he could be on kickoff coverage, punt coverage, and maybe even, you know, uh, you know, punt team, even, you know, as a, not, not as a gunner, but kind of like a, as a tuck inside type guy, I think they could use him. I wouldn't imagine they burn his red shirt just for that. But if you get to what, you know, November, December, and he hasn't gotten on the field, I would say just turn him loose on uh special teams, but Kobe Savage, I actually am starting to think he is maybe the guy who's written in pen at that safety level. I don't know how many, I don't know if the other two spots are written in pen. I think he might be the only guy there. Um, two questions. Again, I'm doing the classic Scott thing where I asked two questions at once. Um, what do you think we will see from Tobio this season? Are, are you thinking four games, keep the red shirt, burning the red shirt? And then with Kobe Savage, do you think he is the lead dog back there? Again, three totally different uh, you know, positions, but J-Mac has been the guy that everyone looked to at the back end of the secondary for a while now. Uh, will he kind of take up that role this year? Uh, I think pending injury, if I were to guess, it's probably unlikely Tobio burns his red shirt. Although we are kind of in an era where red shirts do like mean a little less than they used to, just because of how easy it is for a player to up and leave. So you may want to get as much as you can as early as you can, but I think it's less, it's less about that and more about if Toby's ready. And the answer is athletically probably. And I, I don't really know uh, how quickly he'll adapt in terms of uh, the playbook, but we may see him late in blowouts uh, just to get him some on the field experience, just because that that'll be really good for him in the long term. And later in the season, as you said, is a uh, a really good uh, place for him to learn. Kobe Savage, I think, could probably be the leader uh, of that safety room as well. Um, Josh Hayes is someone that I think is probably the next guy to consider there. But then, like, the other spot's been a bit of a free-for-all. I know that Ace and I both really like Drake Cheatham, uh, the grad transfer from Prairie View A&M. But it, it is really wide open there. And uh, 
but I, I think that you're right. That Kobe Savage probably can lay claim to the uh, number one spot there. We're doing this, you know, I, I think I mentioned it, it's July 31st. So fall camp hasn't even opened yet, but once it does, what are some storylines you're going to have your ear to the ground, uh, poking around, trying to hear anything you can? What are one and two storylines that you're really going to be focused in on? Well, the big one, and let me know if you hear an echo in the room, is who emerges in the safety room. And uh, because, I mean, like like I just said, there's a lot of guys I think that could be there. Although, frankly, the safety room will probably end up being a bit of a platoon, save maybe Kobe Savage, just because of how much we like to rotate in the secondary. And I think that's a good thing because it keeps guys fresh uh, longer uh, down the stretch. Sincere Mason's a guy I forgot to mention earlier as well. So you have probably four guys that could start, but you only have three safety spots. So we'll probably see a lot of uh, rotation and uh, tinkering in the first few weeks just to see like what the best combo is, kind of like what we do with the offensive line and like, getting the best five on the field. Um, so that's kind of the big one. And then other than that, um, I'm just interested to see who emerges as the top five offensive linemen. I mean, we already have, uh, obviously, Cooper Beebe is written in stone there. Duffy's probably in stone. Taylor Poitier is probably written in stone. Then you have two other spots where there's a lot of contenders. There's probably seven or eight realistic options. Guys like KT Leviston that are in their last year that may uh, show out and find a spot. Then younger guys like Hadley Panzer uh, could maybe find a way into the starting lineup. Maybe even go lower. Think of a guy like Sam Shields because that center spot really is wide open right now. Yeah, I I, I talked about on the Monday episode that I think it's going to be Gillum or Panzer at that uh, center spot. But again, Sam Shields can work his way in there. I think he got you know a shout out uh, late last season from Connor Riley uh, during those breakout sessions that the assistant coaches do in season. And again, correct me if I'm wrong. If you're zeroing in, I think on just one position battle uh, that might say the most for this season and the future is KT Leviston versus Andrew line gang. Again, they're not playing the same position, but it's which one of those guys inserts them as, you know, that number four, number five uh, offensive lineman, because that's going to determine basically everything on the left side, you know, is Cooper going to slide down? Is he going to play tackle? I would imagine we see a lot of them, but if you were handicapping it, if you had to make a way too early prediction, you know, let's throw week one out, out, but that first drive versus Missouri, which one of those two guys is starting next to Cooper BB on the left side of the line? I'm going to roll with line gang here just because I think his ceiling is just absolutely through the roof. He's been getting a ton of mentions from the staff. He seems to be a guy that just constantly has been uh, showing up uh, in media outlets and rumors and just everybody just kind of keeps floating things out about Andrew line gang. And I think we should just uh, take what they're giving us there as Andrew line gang is probably the future on the left side of the line. Uh, I, I think that he, I personally think he starts this year. Um, Although, you know, we may see maybe a bit of splitting with KT Levison, just because I think KT Levison could really have a great year. He's already an excellent run blocker. He just needs to develop as a pass blocker. But I, I think Line Gang's a good pick there. With Colin Klein coming in, you know, this is actually his technically second stint as an offensive coordinator, but it's going to be the first time him as a uh, play caller. What are you hoping to see from him in this first season where he really has the reins of the offense? Uh. Two things, uh, the first one being a uh, faster pace, not like blazing speed or anything like that, but just probably not the slowest team in college football would be good, not only for entertainment perspective, but also just 
for getting more plays and I, I think it's just going to lead to more opportunities to score. And uh, then the other thing is more inspired slash confident play calling, which I think that we can almost pencil in based off of the bowl game. But there were a lot of moments last year where it felt like, you know, before halftime, there's like a minute left on the clock and we don't really do anything when we're like at the 40-yard line, uh, our own 40-yard line, granted. But I would like to see, you know, I, I don't ever want to see like a halfback draw on like third and like fairly long again. Like unless like they do it like that resulted in a touchdown versus Stanford, man. That that, that resulted is true. in a touchdown. That is true. And that did work against TCU, but that was like a fourth and one and fourth and two or something like that. And I know against Stanford, they said like they had this look where it's like if they got it, they're going to that one play because they thought they could get a touchdown out of it. And you know, it did work. But you know, it, it is frustrating. It was frustrating to be as conservative as we were at times and then also be so creative at other times last year. It was just a real back and forth that felt like between very creative play calling and then just completely uninspired play calling. I'd like to see more consistent confidence and inspiration from Colin Klein uh, in terms of getting creative with his play calling, which I think that we can probably count on at least down the line this season. I, I don't expect us to break out every trick in the book against South Dakota or anything like that, but I'm interested to see what he brings down the line from that. Yeah, so I actually, I'll be interested. I'm glad you brought it up. I want to know if it was a Messingham decision or a you know Coach Kleiman decision at the end of the first half. So that's been the one thing. End of first half, just kind of sitting on the ball and just going into halftime. That's been the one thing I've consistently been frustrated with in the uh, Chris Kleiman era. If it is the same with Colin Klein, then I think that tells you everything you need to know. Hey, this is a Chris Kleiman decision. If all of a sudden, like you said, you know, on your own 35 or your own, you know, 38 with a timeout in 52 seconds, are we going to see them try to make a player get in the field goal range? So that will be something interesting. And hopefully, you know, we see maybe in that very first game or maybe versus Missouri, uh, you know, up by 10, do you kind of go for the kill shot right before halftime? Or if you just kind of go in, uh, that that is going to be really front of mind. Yeah. Uh, and not to not you, to enter. Oh, yeah, no, go ahead. Go oh, sorry. Ahead. Not yeah, not not to interject, but if we do have one bit of evidence in support of it, because at the end of the first half in the uh, Texas Bowl, uh, we got the ball back, and uh, I think we ran two quick plays to get like a fifty-ish yard field goal try that we ended up missing, so it didn't pay off. But we did get two good plays in a row. We also threw a pass to Eric Hommel on that drive ball, people, which was interesting because I, I rewatched it. Texas Bowl a couple of times now and another fun fact in that game on the second play of the game Ben Sinnott was split out wide as a receiver which was really strange to see I didn't notice that the first two times and I was like what are we doing there but uh so so if that's any indication which it might be it might not it's just one uh data point there but Klein at least seems willing to take a shot at the end of the half and try and get some more points is that on YouTube I need to go back and watch that or do you have it saved off uh I think it's on YouTube Okay, well, I'm going to have to watch that one maybe a time or two before the season starts up. Now let's kind of get into the predictions for the season. The only thing that is going to be constant through Blitz Month when we have people on to preview the season are these next kind of eight with two half questions in there as well. Again, uh, we're not going to you know hunt you down if you change any of these, especially since it's early in the season or, or early in, uh, you know, uh, you know, fall camp, fall camp hasn't actually even started yet. So if you change these on your show a little bit closer to kickoff, 
I'm not going to sick the boneheads on you. I'm not going to come try to break your knees or anything, but I do want you to, you know, give me your best guess on all of these. Uh, before we do, again, we go live every Wednesday. Connor is one of our regulars in our live show. We'll have the Big 12s over and over, under and overs, excuse me, unders and overs uh, episode. And we will have the Bonehead Prediction Extravaganza, you know, that last Wednesday in August where all the Boneheads will be able to answer these eight questions and we'll go as late as we want. Connor, I don't know if you were there uh, last year for the extravaganza, but it was the most lit chat of all time. I was not able to be there. And I remember being sad because was that the one that got lost to the ages? Yes. Was that, that live show? Yeah, because I never got to listen to it. Well, so, so it ended I, up I coming back, it. but like a week and a half later, like 10 days later. So, I mean, you could have, but at that point, the season had already started. I don't expect you to listen, but yeah, it was lost and I was devastated. I was absolutely devastated. Um, I do know from shout out to uh, Bob Trollsby. He runs the cocaine cat after party on Colorcast. I know they went super late one of these times, uh, like a two hour, two and a half hour episode, and they didn't get all the audio back. So I would say this, whether it's on Colorcast, whether it's uh, on Spotify green room, because uh, Colorcast still doesn't have Android and Android app. And I want everyone to be able to participate. Uh, I mean, it's 50-50 whether folks are going to get to listen to it. So your best chance, your best bet is to be part of it. Listen, uh, join the chat. It goes crazy. But let's get into it. Predictions for the season. Uh, absolutely no restrictions for this one. Who is going to be the offensive MVP for the season? Um, I think that there's pretty much two obvious candidates here with Deuce and Adrian and I don't think there's a wrong answer between those two. So I went with Adrian primarily because of positional importance and also just how truly valuable he is just as an addition. Um, because, you know, the difference between going nine and three and fighting for a bowl game is Adrian Martinez, I think, uh, and his addition back in December. So I, so Adrian, I think, is the pick. But you can't go wrong with Deuce as an MVP pick because, I mean, he, I think he's prime for another special season after he had a great year last year so yeah no i hear you so who is going to be the third horseman along with deuce and adrian so this is kind of the old school way anyone who's listened to these shows for a while have known we usually have a qualifier for offensive mvp uh this year uh no qualifier but i want to know who is going to be that third horseman along with deuce and adrian um i think that this is where the question gets tough because there's there's the obvious top two guys. And then after that, it's really kind of a dealer's choice uh, on who you go with. I went with Malik Knowles. Part of that is wishful thinking on my part, because I really want Malik to have the year I think that everyone thinks he's capable of having. I think with maybe a new offensive system, uh, that he could truly have a great season this year. And by great, I mean maybe Byron Pringle, like, 2017 or whatever it was where he had like 30 catches for like 800 yards or something crazy like that but i i went with malik but i mean there's plenty of other candidates there i mean you could even go with a guy like sammy wheeler uh you could go with even uh philip brooks was a close second for me you could even pick an offensive lineman there honestly you could go with cooper Levy and that wouldn't be a bad pick definitely i think he probably named off a lot of the favorites but i'm officially going to have you marked down with malik knowles all right, let's go with the defensive MVP again. Uh, what's fun about this one is like, you know, 
some might might say Felix is the obvious pick, but again, you have Daniel Green who plays linebacker. He's going to get a lot of those stats. First team All Big Twelve. Julius Brent's preseason first team All Big Twelve. But then again, a lot of folks think Echo is the better corner. So again, no qualifiers here. I'm I'm interested who you're going to go with. Uh. Yeah, you made a good statement with that uh, that first part where you think that Felix is kind of the obvious pick, but there's plenty of guys you can go with because I didn't go with Felix. Uh, I thought about it, but I ended up going to Daniel Green uh, just because I think that he very quietly had a great season last year. and He's been pretty drastically underrated by most of the media up until recently. I think people are starting to realize who he is. But he, I, I think it was the Baylor game last year, he was flying all over the field, just had an excellent, excellent game. Um, I, I'm super high on Daniel Green. That's not me, you know, talking bad about any of these other guys. Cause I think we have a lot of really high level talent on the defense. And part of me not picking Felix is because of the other guys that he's going to be competing with for sack production, like, uh, Nate Matt, like and Khalid Duke and Eli Huggins and, uh, Jalen Pickle and other guys like that. Daniel Green is the guy in the linebacker room. He's, uh, in charge of the defense. He, I'm, He's so athletic. He's probably going to be drafted this next year. So I, I have him as my defensive MVP. All right. Who who would you, uh, you know, vote up to be your dark horse for this honor? This one was very difficult, mainly because of a plethora of options. Uh, I think that you could pick – you could go to almost – I think you could go to every room on the defense and pick somebody uh, for this and have it be a good pick. But I ended up going with Echo Boydo. I think that he's due for a very productive season. I think he's one of the I think he's quietly one of the best man cover corners in the conference, maybe the best. His man coverage is phenomenal. His zone needs a little bit of work, but with one thing to focus on, hopefully that that goes up a little bit this year. But his man coverage is phenomenal. A lot of the reason he doesn't get many picks because he doesn't get thrown out a ton, especially true a couple years ago, last year, not as much. But I I think Echo's due for a big season. Uh, Julius Brent's another good pick there as well because I think Julius is just I think he's like 95% of the way there to being an excellent excellent corner all right so here is one of the more uh, fun ones uh, that I have every single year who are you going to have as your breakout player this year on offense so I've tweaked it a little bit used to be young player having to be a freshman or sophomore now I'm just going to say breakout player Uh, so this has to be someone who hasn't started yet or played a significant role? Well, I'll start with last year. Ace and I famously had two very bad picks for a breakout player because we, I think I went with Keenan Garber, who didn't do a ton last year, and then Ace had Jacardier, who simply fell off the face of the earth after the OU camp. So neither of our takes aged well there, but I feel pretty confident in uh, my pick this year. I couldn't decide between these two, so I just went with both. I have Andrew Langang and RJ Garcia. Uh, those are kind of two guys I think offensively we've heard the most about. Uh, I think they're safe picks. Like, they're not super exciting picks, at least in terms of, like, being hidden or something like that. But I do think that for the future of KSA offense, those two guys are vital for our success beyond 2023 or 2022. So I think that they're they're two good picks here. And then they also are going to be two vital positions because line gang will be on that left side of the line and so important. And RJ Garcia, we we desperately need to hit on a, a high school receiver target or else things are going to get really rough in the next couple of years. And RJ could be that guy. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it's crazy to say that your top three wide receivers probably will not be here next season. So it would be big for RJ to step up. All right, let's go over the defensive side of the ball. 
uh, someone who hasn't started uh, or played a significant role for K-State yet. Again, this can include uh, newcomers as well. So who, who's going to be your breakout player? Um, I actually have two newcomers here. Uh, I have Kobe Savage. So you're just uh, not even – you're just saying, fuck the rules. I'm giving two for everything. Yeah. I love well, it. Well, this one was – this one I technically had an alternate pick, just kind of like a sleeper pick for the, the sleeper player, which is kind of weird. I just couldn't – this is another thing I couldn't decide between the two guys. Uh, I know I'm cheating a little bit, but I know oh, that you don't care. I, I just like to tease. I just like to tease. Yeah. Uh, Kobe Savage is my pick for breakout player. I think he's going to – I think he's geared for a really great season. I think that – there's a lot of signs pointing to him being key to the success of the safety room. And then Drake Cheatham is my next guy there. I'm very high on him as is Ace. Ace may bring him up as well, unless his opinion has changed since last time we spoke. Uh, but I, I like those two guys to break out on defense. This was a little bit more difficult just because other than safeties, there's not a lot of room for breakouts. And there's guys like Nate Matlick, who I barely consider a breakout guy because I think that they were vital down the stretch last year. So... I'm sure some people will answer Nate Matlack for that one. I'm not going to like kick them off their appearance, but I'm kind of with you. I I think he he was a Uh little bit uh, more significant uh, down the stretch, especially to qualify for that one. But again, we'll see how feisty I get the first time someone tries to bring that up. Um, This is my number one favorite question though. Um, And I think in the past there have been some obvious answers to this one. I think this year may see our widest arrangement of answers um, of all the years we've been doing Blitz Month or Blitz Week, now Blitz Month. What is the pendulum game of the year? The one game that if we win can swing the season towards possibly being great, but if we lose it, it will swing towards being bad. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head at the beginning here with there's not really like an obvious game to select here Um, because I think that there's one game uh, in Oklahoma State that if it takes place earlier in the schedule then I think that that's a, a really great pick here but it's a, it's like game nine I think so it's a little late to be a pendulum game so I went with at Iowa State uh, it's a huge road game around the halfway point of the season they've had our number the last two years which I guess is barely having our numbers two games but they uh it's going to be a big game it's a rivalry game um, I was tempted to say OU, but I don't think that's like a make or break on your season if you lose at OU. So I went with Iowa State because if we if we lose that game, things could get bad. Uh, but winning, uh, it may not necessarily mean that we're going like eleven and one or anything. But it, it's it, it's more of a things could go bad if we lose as opposed to things really just becoming special if we win there. Unless Iowa State is something I'm not expecting this year. I think they have a down season, so they're not even going to a bowl game this year. Uh, that's, that's like that's like kind of a that's but kind I mean, of a that's good not take, wild. Honestly. I mean, no, that's not wild at all. No. I mean, because like, they're not going to beat Iowa, so all of a sudden, yeah. are are you are you confident in saying they're going to go four and five in Big Twelve play? I'm not. I'm not either. I'm not sold on Hunter Deckers either. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to turn into an Iowa State episode, but they do. I was looking at this when I was trying to determine uh, who's in the Big Twelve championship. Uh, they returned the. Uh, least amount of starters or fewest amount of starters in the big 12 this year i think they have five on offense three on defense and everybody else has more than that i think returning so which i didn't realize that they lost that many people i knew they lost a lot of big names but i didn't realize they lost a lot of like big contributors as well yeah i but but you know what on the preseason poll i think they had four guys so again i'm not going to give matt campbell a pass if they suck i'm just going to start telling everyone i've been right about him not being great so 
and then I'll just ignore it if they go yeah. like eight and four. Like I will just pretend I never said anything because that's how I roll. Yep. All right. Yep. <laughs> Number six, again, <laughs> it's early enough that I'm not going to hunt you down if you change your answer on this. Again, you get a pass. I think everyone in week one, I will give them a pass. Week two, if I see them altering, I'm going to come after them. But what is K-State's record? Uh, I still have the same record that I uh, put up on our preview show whenever we did that, like about a month ago. I have us going nine and three. I still have us losing at OU right now, but I think that's closer to a toss-up than people realize. Baylor, I think, is the one sure loss on the schedule as things stand, because I think Baylor's going to be really good this year. I did have us losing at West Virginia, but that's before I realized that West Virginia is really just not going to be very good this year. So I have us losing one of Oklahoma State or Texas. Well, based on where you have our losses coming, I don't think you're going to have K-State in Arlington, but I'll ask anyways, who is playing in the Big 12 championship game? I have Baylor and OU right now, but I feel I don't really feel any particular conviction about OU. I, I, I think Baylor will be there anyways, but that second spot truly is up for grabs, I think. Um, I mean, if K-State wins at OU, then like everything is wide open, I think, for that second spot. But I'm putting OU there right now, but I, I don't really feel confident about it. I, I, but I don't think there's really a pick that you can – I don't think there's a realistic option there that you could truly say with 100% certainty they're going to be in Arlington other than Baylor. So it, that's a tough question right now, but OU is a safe pick at the moment until they prove uh, that they won't be there because they're there so often. Yeah, and the Big 12 is going to be lit this year. I, I'm excited for Big 12 football. And then we're going to close it up. The last two years, this question has been a total downer. So back in 2020, I was asking how many K-State of, of K-State's 10 scheduled games they would play. Last year, it was around conference realignment. I was asking, you know, what, what was the conference makeup going to look like, you know, in 2023, 2024? Now, that question is back, but it is a much more uh, rosy outcome, no matter what George Klikov wants you to think. So I ask you, what does the conference look like in 2024? Who are the members in the Big 12? And maybe we could go out to 2025, depending on, you know, contracts and all that type of stuff. But, you know, we, we know the future 12 members. Will it be like that for the foreseeable future? Or do you think there will be another shakeup? Gosh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that I do think that we add the at least a few Pac-12 schools. But I mean, there's there's a good argument for almost every outcome other than like the Big 12 losing in this situation. I think I think the Big 12 comes out on top in some fashion. I I really struggled with this because there's a lot of variables. I mean, we know we have four teams incoming for uh, 24. Um, but then are OU and Texas still going to be here? which that's become a bit more of a question as of late than I think people realize. And then also how many other schools get added on top of that? And would it even be 24? Because the Pac-12 media deal, they're done in 24, right? Yes. Yeah, so uh, the first season, actually 2023 is their final season because 2024 is the entry for USC and UCLA. See, that that adds a lot of variables to it because, you know, are Pac-12 schools added? How many? 
which ones, you know, do we go elsewhere that like fill in if we don't get four? Uh, I'm in the role with 16 right now because I think that we might see a reality where OU and Texas end up leaving a year early and some deal gets worked out in uh, media negotiations where we get maybe a little like like bonus or something like that or get something in return uh, to let them leave with a less harsh penalty because I know the OU is kind of struggling financially right now so that might be the uh, the future but I, I feel a lot less certain about it uh, just because of how many things have to go right for that to happen. All right. So who are going to be those uh, new teams? If you had to guess. Well, I feel pretty strong about like Colorado and Arizona. Those seem to be the, the ones that get the most uh, time through the Twitter airwaves. And uh, uh, you know, the guys who probably don't know anything, but seem to pretend to, know something they bring those guys up a lot i know that you don't like mhper <laughs> he, he he's cosplaying as a conference like insider mm-hmm. which is fine whatever i don't hate the player yeah. or the game actually no i do hate the player and the game quite frankly but i know a lot of folks <laughs> like him i if you would have tweeted out like every single possible scenario over the course of like six months of course you would have like stumbled across USC and UCLA and then you pin it on your profile and it happens, but you know, it is what it is. You can like yeah. him if you want. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I think if nothing else, he's entertaining. Uh, and also he provides a positive narrative for the big 12. So if I ever just want to feel happy, I just go and read some tweets about, you know, how the big 12 is going to get like a $100 million per school deal or something like that, you know, just to feel better about the future. But uh, Colorado, Arizona, um then after that it becomes really fuzzy because like there's like all these questions about if utah and arizona state jump i think that they do i think that they're dragging their feet right now but i i can't see why they'd want to stick around the pac-12 other than sheer arrogance and at the end of the day i think that dollar signs and stability are going to mean more to those guys uh uh than anything else so i think that that makes the the Big 12 more attractive than the Pac-12 in the long term. So I, I think that they'll still end up here, but we'll see. I mean, nobody really knows. So. That, that is true. So that's all I have for your Blitz Month 2022 appearance. But as always, I want to give you the floor, tell the Boneheads anything you want. Also plug your Twitter account. And of course, plug my favorite K-State podcast, the Aggieville Alley Cats. Yeah. Uh, my Twitter account at Connor Balthasor, capital C, capital B. Try your best with spelling. You'll eventually find it. And then um, my good friend uh, Ace and I, we have a, a sports podcast, K-State sports podcast called the Aggieville Alley Cats. It's um, at Aggieville A-Cats on Twitter. Uh, we release episodes every Friday in the off season. During the season, we try to get three a week where we have a preview, recap, and then just like a general news show for anything that we don't get to in the other two shows um we'll see how that schedule works in this fall because i know that i'm going to be really busy ace is going to of course uh, be busy as well but uh we have a lot of fun uh we're we're both well i'm a former k-state student now i suppose i hate saying that and then ace is still a k-state student so we we have that uh, unique perspective um but yeah we have, we have a lot of fun doing it and uh, uh we love if you guys would give us a listen because it's it's one of my favorite things to do Yes, anyone who isn't listening uh, is selling themselves short. Again, uh, K-State, you know, 
everyone complains about Kansas City sports talk not talking enough about K-State. Uh, there, there are a lot of good K-State sports podcasts out there. There's some Big 12 sports podcasts. So if you want your college football fix, and I love Patrick Mahomes, but if you want to hear a little bit more sports talk than just about the Chiefs all fall, be sure to check out Aggieville, the Aggieville Alley Cats and buy a Play Sandstorm Cowards shirt from their uh, merch shop as well. So, Connor, thank you for coming on. Again, uh, as long as things go correctly, later on in the week, you should hear his co-host, Ace. Again, they are my podcasting sons. I love them both equally or one more than the other, depending on who's on the ColorCast live show every week. But check them out. Uh, Friends, you know, again, we went one show every weekday in July. Of course, you're getting in Blitz Month, and we're going to keep it going all football season long. So subscribe. Also, you know what? I don't know how many reviews we have and ratings we have on uh, Apple Podcasts, but if you haven't given us one, give us, you know, I would like a five-star review. Give me whatever you think is uh, appropriate. Write something in there. We're at 264. I would love to get to 300. I know it's lofty. I'd love to get to 300 before the first game. If you send me a screenshot, I will send you a Bosco's Boys koozie. Write something, though. I'll still give it even if you just rate it five stars on Apple Podcasts, but I'd love for you to write something. I'll send you a koozie. So that's all we have. Uh, be nice to one, one another on Twitter. Don't tweet mean stuff at recruits, even if they decommit and they're kind of clowns about it. Um, you can be mean to people from the athletic if they start stepping out of line and Iowa State fans and KU fans. If they're getting lippy, whatever. I still love my mom and my brother. They're awesome. You can be mean to anyone else on Twitter. So that's all we have. Uh, again, Stay tuned. Blitz Month is here, folks. It's time to get set for the cat attack. You can feel the excitement. You can feel it coming on. For Kansas State, the feeling's growing strong. You can join in the action. This is where you want to be. With Kansas State, come on, set your Podcast Network.